Take one take wonder. Uh, that was a jam done, I don't know, 10 years ago, just like um, one time through. And we hit record. It, it sounds like it, but um, I just always thought it was a cool uh, kind of a thing. And basically, it's the difference between, you know, it's like we all get these schemes in our head of uh, something that would work out great, something we want to do, something that's foolproof. And then, of course, it goes down the tubes. And that's basically it. I've been doing some research on my um, leg situation. I'm pretty much sure that I had some kind of like either a stroke or some kind of MS or some oxygen running out of my brain, some kind of neurological event that, uh, because the telltale sign is when I'm trying to walk, it feels like there's sandbags on my feet. 
You know what I mean? And then they buckle and they just can't really walk. I've been working at it, though, building up my legs, building up my strength. But it's, um, it really needs a, you know, a neurologist, I think, to look into it and look at the, you know, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it was an instantaneous thing. And um, what do I think about the Lord uh, and and uh, and praying and meditating on the on the scriptures and the and the whole thing of what's happened? Well, I see so many people, folks, that have just had their legs crushed, have had their bones broken, have had strokes, have had all these issues. And, um, you know, and they're, you know, you know they're, they're never going to walk again. They're never going to do anything again. They're going to have to have caregivers. And it's, um, it's something that happens to people. And, and to think, because you're running around and you're all intact, it's going to stay that way. Eventually it won't. And, and you know, um, so do I blame God? No, I, I don't. Do I blame myself? Well, I did a foolish thing. And, um, you know, it led to uh, a complete breakdown. I was not uh, vigilant as I should have been. I was certainly not sober as I should have been. And, um, you know, I paid a, a you know, definite price. But that, that price that ends here. And um, I don't know what it's going to take to get the legs back. But meanwhile, like I say, I've got all kinds of help and there's uh, little scooters I could ride around in and you know I'm not the only one that uh, you know I can I've, I've developed some skills here the last couple of weeks I'm in a rehab place uh, after about I don't know two months in the hospital which is and then that's following another two months from before so about like four months this year like one quarter uh, was spent in the hospital and then another half the year in, in trying to um, recover from this, uh, you know, poison in the blood, you know, the, the uh, you know, you know, infection in the blood, which, by the way, you know, these infections are really, really nasty, like the one I have now, they, you know, people are not allowed in my room unless uh, they wear protective clothing, and, you know, I'm taking full on the most... Top of the line antibiotic there is for getting rid of uh, MRSA, and um, you know, and, and we've been taking it. I've been off and away from the, um, uh, you know, away from the infection and feeling much better. But they have to keep going with it, and I even had to have uh, surgery on my right lung to remove infection from that. So it's been a, you know, that which was major. So it's been insane. And I'm seeing other people of my age category, you know, some not making it, you know, passing away. And um, certainly that should have happened. And the way I look at it is like God spared me what should have obviously been my end. So I'm going to fight like hell. And what does that mean? Well, I need to expand talk about that and so when I say expansion through nostalgia check this concept out look I'm good with these concepts you know what I mean and this is where I can I can help you I think and me too 
So nostalgia is what the whole world goes on with regards to America. They all go on nostalgia. You know, it's like the nostalgia for the old Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, the nostalgia for um, American commercials. And all the actors, I mean, just go, go from entertainment, you know, and, and movies and TV and stuff. So all the actors and all the directors and all the, all the everybody, you know, they're always looking backwards toward these classic things. I suppose for filmmakers it would be looking back to uh, the golden era of, um, you know, the, the, the 60s and 70s and, um, you know, film-wise and, and some of the, you know, the classic uh, artists. And I suppose for, um, you know, for others, it's like going back to classic TV shows. In fact, they're trying to, like, recreate them, but they just can't seem to do it. You know, and some of these classic TV shows are still not only persisting, but are big hits in, in, in foreign territories. You know, I mean, you know, things like MASH and things like that we had, you know, Man from Uncle. You know, I mean, these TV series from the 60s. And then, you know, commercials. Uh, commercials are, you know, a lot more watched and remembered than people realize. And then, you know, sports, whether it be, you know, basketball, football, it's always about, it's always, everything revolves around America. And it doesn't matter how much they distribute by people and they want to, you know, the, the kind of narrow, narrow vision people want to distribute. They want to, they, they're racist. They want to do things by race. And, you know, even it up and go woke and all that, which is just a sign of being racist. That's all. When people do that, they're racist, classist, they're authoritarian, technocrats. I don't have much, you know, room for them because they're, they're very low on the level of... Uh, I, I deal with a lot of them every day, actually. And the way that you win is you just change your state of uh, your frequency. If confrontation isn't working, no, I don't want to do that, or, you know, uh, please stop, you know, the you know, mano a mano thing isn't working, then you just rise above it. So they can say, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. It's like, okay, fine, I can move my leg. Fine, I'll take, you know, uh, you can have more blood. Fine, you know, I'm not allowed to be out in the hall by myself. Um, wh whatever, because it's got nothing to do with anything. And then here's another change that I've I put myself through because this has been a, you know, pretty lonely without my, my wife and my dog and my surroundings. And But it's okay because there's nothing I could have done there anyway except been helpless, which is not the case now. But, I mean, that's kind of where I would have been. So there is no way that I could have had the uh, comforts of home or any of that. But uh, I believe that, um, and that hurts like hell. You know, some of you that are uh, away from your comfort zone for a weekend or something, I mean, you'd, you realize when things change forever, it hurts like hell. And when you don't know what the future is going to be, it hurts like hell. It's like, until you realize there's nothing wrong with being alone. In fact, how beautiful. When you rise above the frequency of, say, authoritarian technocrats that I'm, you know, 
or have to be in the, the say the medical profession. They're just uh, you know they just uh, bark orders. Uh, basically, it's um, complete bliss. There is no uh, you know it doesn't really even matter. You know, do, they, you know, do do ten push-ups. You know, do this. Pull yourself up. Walk here. Do that. It doesn't matter. Nothing really, really ultimately matters like that, except for your. It's it's like a nostalgic feeling, with God, which is why I was sort of going with that title, that wild title I put in today. Your feeling with God. Your. No matter what, how old you are or young you are, your feeling, feeling of eternality and nostalgia. And nostalgia can be something like um, when you remember reading a certain scripture or when you remember seeing something. or It just, it just has to do with really memories and things you might glom onto that give you comfort, right? Nostalgia is for comfort. You know, so it's like you see a Twinkies commercial. It's for some sort of comfort. And all this bread and circus that, that's provided for humans because they can't handle being alone is for um, to make them comfortable so they'll do work so that the, uh, the you know, the bad guys can siphon off the money. And, and, and you know, so the, so the state of a corrupt system can continue. And the only way they can do that is to have these recreational times where, where humans um, either are creating, you know, the illusion of some good time and, and the illusion of memories, the illusion of nostalgia, which then brings people back to the table again, even if they're destroying themselves. I think when I was, uh, just before I got, well, I got sick and really sick from the, uh, from, uh, the uh, sepsis, in my blood, um, I uh, I was, uh, you know, looking, you know, I had no comfort from drinking. I had no comfort from, you know, prescription medications or, and I think I, I took them to ease the pain of, you know, because I'd gone through a traumatic uh, surgery and different things. But it didn't, and it came back, and it, you know, and then, then, then I had this, whether it be a stroke or uh, hit with MS or some, whatever happened that took my legs out, um, whatever that thing was that happened, it um, was, if it wasn't that, it would have been something else. Because I wasn't living a vigilant lifestyle. Why? Because there's, there, because I... You know, and I sound like an adolescent now, but foolishly, I couldn't find nostalgia in it. You know, I would wait and go for the obvious comfort, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. And my head certainly is uh, screwed up from the, uh, the transplant thing I did, although it's... Uh, I have more hair, <laughs> but the the thing is, is what I really needed was um, something to hold on to from the past, and yet at the same time, I need to be uh, alone, even in a in a group. Like right now, I'm in a 
crowd of people and now the rehab place is turned over. Like most, most of the people now in here, I, I'd be like the oldest one who hasn't discharged, but everyone else is new now. It turns over like every, every couple weeks with people that need. And basically they work you, you know, your skill set. Uh, can you take care of yourself? Can you go to the bathroom? Can you take a shower? Can you get food for yourself? Can you walk? Can you, um, can you, uh, um, you know, do you have the skill to do, you know, certain basic things, okay? And um, can you be resourceful? Can you get your own oxygen? You know, here we have to have oxygen and get our own oxygen. Can you um, get down the hall and get something to drink at the drink thing? Can you um, uh, take it upon yourself to be in the gym and be working, you know, working upper body strength, like in my case, upper body strength to, 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 to uh, compensate for the legs, right? Can you be, you know, uh, aware and all that? Well, no, I can't be. I can't do any of those things without nostalgia. I need something to hold on to. Sometimes it's even like an old Bible or the memory of a show I watch where we went over Psalm 91 or something like that, something to create some kind of nostalgia, something to hold on to. Um, now, I don't go all the way back to, like, say, Bonanza or shows like that, but, I mean, you know, the, in fact, the shows don't give me nostalgia um, but I think certain kinds of circus does like sports do because I understand at the very bottom line, the very fundamental level of sports is one guy having to beat another, you know, having, wanting it, having to want it more than the other, you know, winning and a guy losing. And to me, that drama is very real and very, um, you know, it really says something. I mean, it's how, how bad do you want a thing? At the same time, there is, when you're committed to something like that, there is no escape. You can't um, wander freely. You, you've got to keep your head in the competition. That's what I objected when I objected to Andrew Tate and his, his approach by telling people... Um, you know, they need to, uh, you know, by telling people they need to have lots of cars and different things and be these macho guys and have, you know, basically their, their bevy of women in the club and, and, you know, own them essentially. And just everything, you know, everything I would disagree with because I, do, I just think that people don't need material things at all, you know. I mean, if they have them, fine, but... There, it's not like, a, you know, a, I don't think it's a need that people need to have 10 cars or, to, you know, they, or they don't need to be, um, you know, a legend or you don't need to be a, anything. But what you do need is that feeling of, you know, this um, nostalgia provides this, this feeling of family that even if you don't have one, there, there was a feeling sometime in the past of family, and it was all a lie. And so it was a lie, school was a lie, all your friends were a lie. You had no one, you still have no one, you have nothing, you're alone. And, you know, there are people I like to... I just talked to someone today, I didn't get to talk enough to them, I wanted to speak more to them.
you know, I miss them in my life. I, uh, but, you know, circumstances separate us. And um, whether it is or not, even if it is comes to pass that there will be a visit at some point in the future, it won't be the same. There will be no nostalgia unless nostalgia is created. And how is nostalgia created? But by some kind of um, expansion of the moment that creates this memory that's usually false, but provides nostalgia, which gives the basis for expansion, which can then um, bring peace to the person that's very much alone. Because they're not alone. Because I'm not alone. I'm sitting here and all the nurses are going after, uh, you know, the new patients, comforting them. I haven't been visited much in, really, in the last few days. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, try to impart this situation that, you know, and I have my door open enough that I can hear what's going on out there. And they'll probably come in here and try to draw some blood pretty soon because they're watching my kidneys because my kidneys are shot as well. It really, pretty much, I'm, you know, uh, every day you see me is a miracle, okay? So if you see me at all, if I do a podcast, whatever, uh, I could just as easily be gone tomorrow. So just please understand that. And if that freaks you out, then don't tune, then tune out. You know, if you can't handle, you know, the fact that people uh, leave all the time, they, which they do, then maybe you need to grow up a little more. But maybe the problem is that you can't handle being alone because you need some kind of a thing that means you're not alone, but you are alone, and then you can't look at it. But then I'm saying this nostalgia idea brings in... Well, for example, I'm alone and I have a feeling of the ocean. And I have no one to talk to. I have a TV screen going with, you know, basketball players on it. I've got a clock tick-tocking away. And I've got a, um, a film out there that's being restored that's uh, going to be a long-lost film of uh, me from, from the from many years ago. I directed a film about death. And it will be restored and, and it will be uh, scene and some people have you know gotten behind it and you know now it's being it's, it's kind of looked at as a, a fun, as fun as that is it doesn't take away the loneliness you know that's just something that as long as I have breath in my lungs I'll try to do the best I can with it I'll do whatever I can do but doing things doesn't mean expansion and it doesn't mean you know, and you know what I mean when I say nostalgia. You know, when nostalgia, you had uh, it's kind of related to the word comfort zone. It's kind of related to the um, to the idea of um, you know a favorite uh, blanket, even or you. But your it's it's really the blanket's causing you to remember other things. You know, and but then when you realize you're alone, then the blanket's got no meaning. And the meaning falls away. And now the nostalgia's gone and broken. And now we have a broken heart. Because of the, the 
separation from truth, the separation from reality, the 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 meaningless connection to to billions of humans that are that are screaming and yelling, signifying nothing, as the bard would say, you know, just signifying nothing, just like you know they're in their own trip and they're running around and there's you know around here there's just you know with so many older people there's a lot of um everything is a temporary comfort you know it's the 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 next 10 minutes the next 15 minutes certainly no no long term nostalgia there and then the, the other thing is when people go see now and or dementia and or any of those things they're you know they're they're doing this through desire they're desiring to connect to something nostalgic to something that they remember to something that they that gave comfort because they can't the 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 pain of facing death alone which is what's going on here people facing death um it, it's too much and so now now I'm going to hit you with something so here's the deal god and when I said that, an alarm went off. And I don't know where, where the hell that is. It sounds like it's in this room. But, yeah. You hear that? But God is, contains all the things, all the relationships, all the nostalgia, all the, uh, when I say nostalgia, I mean, you know, your favorite show, your favorite this, your things that are familiar to you, things that would make you conform if for no other reason to have that cookie, to have that thing, to have that feeling that you belong, that you're accepted, that uh, good things are on the are coming, that you can get through that lonely night because you, you, you know there, there are things on the other side, there are people that care about you, there's, there's all that. And there, in the end... Unfortunately, most people learn that there really isn't. I mean, eventually you learn people barely care about themselves, but they don't care about you. And unless it's a fleeting thing, you know, there's, they have a memory, a nost- again, a nostalgia of a prior time with you, and they remember that, and they have fond feelings for you. But then they're worried about themselves, and they can't really connect with you unless they were going to, you know, merge with you and become another creature... That's not going to happen. So what's going to give that expansion? Because if you expand, and God says, well, you can expand the whole length and breadth of, um, of God. You can expand through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, you can expand forever. Jesus is the misunderstood, you know. Um, see, the thing is, people can't quite make Jesus nostalgia because they can't quite figure it out but because Jesus is not just simply a person you know it's it's a you know it's it's a lot it is a lot more than just you know a person that will make you feel less lonely although there's nothing wrong with praying Lord I'm lonely please help me with my loneliness Lord I know that you're there and I know you care about me I know I want to love you I want to be close I want to I want this pain to be taken off of me, Lord. I, I can't stand it day after day, Lord. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just been there forever. And, you know, I need you to, to, to do the things you've done with others. 
in the Bible and your word and, and, and the thing you've done. And, um, you know, the Lord's not shy, so of course the Lord will respond. The things I've done, you know, for example, the Lord is telling me, I'm doing things that you've never seen me do. Why don't you hit me up sometime? I'm sorry, I haven't been hitting you up. No, you've been suffering on your own. Little stew pot of suffering. Uh, being a nice little martyr. And, um, you know, and except for when you got snarky and you started insulting people all around you, then finally you were hooked up with the Holy Spirit. Because that was all in fun, in jest, and, and for comedic purposes only. Even though the others didn't take it that way. I did do that in the hospital when I sort of lost my mind. I started like nicknaming people and, you know, calling people names and, you know, doing all kinds of shit I shouldn't do. And, um, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to be a stand-up comedian, only I couldn't stand up. So how then did I get through two months of all that? And uh, the answer is I really didn't even notice it going by. The, the time just sort of went because I was in my moment-to-moment survival. It was me versus the nurses versus the doctors. And there's still antipathy, right? There's still a struggle between us. And so I still have to be on my toes and, um, and vigilant, you know, with my thoughts about uh, overcoming this and getting out of here and, you know, realizing that what I need to do is, um, you know, I really need to... Uh, uh, I guess I guess the best way to put it would be I really need to um, heal from what happened from what I did to myself and I need to expand into forever and I need to be at that comfort level of nostalgia and so I'm triggering nostalgia and, and I don't think this is really wrong by putting on these meaningless sports, which I know are meaningless, they're not really meaningless if you, you know, if you pay attention to what's going on. But it, it's it's a reminder of something that then leads to a uh, a thought. Like, for example, this guy number twenty one. No, this guy right here. Who is he? Where did he come from? What was his average? Why is he not uh, doing well? What happened at home? You know, all these concerns for various athletes, becomes a nostalgia. The problem with it, of course, is that it's all fabricated for you to, uh, you know, go, go to, you know, for you to give, like the, 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 what, the talk the other day, for you to give them your money, which is basically what they want, and that's why they give you this, the bread and circus, so you can get your money. And basically bread and circus means they're throwing a whole load of witchcraft which goes without saying, because everything... Have you noticed how, like, lately, the, the internet, like Facebook or Twitter, it's just, like, wall-to-wall witchcraft, where they're going, now this is witchcraft, and they, they show you something kind of ridiculous, and, and, and then... Um, but the whole setup is kind of, you know... And when I say witchcraft, what I mean is I mean the use of images and, and you know, commercials get you to... To buy stuff, you know, I mean, you know, commercials are running day and night on these platforms, and they're basically wearing out. People are becoming nostalgic, if you will, for commercials. 
which is another, you know, really bizarre kind of thing. But anyway, I, I totally take responsibility for what I did to myself. And I'm sorry, you know, for, for Trish having to put up with it and, and all that. And hopefully, hopefully the Lord will give me another run and I'll be able to make up for it. But, uh, it's, um, and at the same time, I'm well aware that, uh, we're not here for a, uh, for painlessness. We're not here to escape physical pain. The physical pain is supposed to point us toward the spiritual epiphany. And yet it isn't. It's we're wallowing in our pain, you know, wondering why nobody notices or wondering why nobody cares or wondering why, uh, wondering all this stuff that's irrelevant. Um, The key is to be able to be, uh, you know, alone, if you will, and to be in that state of absorption and, and I like I say nostalgia because all times are available. All warm moments are available. Everything in your memory is available. But does it make you feel more alone? Or does it make you feel more connected? And I'd say the main thing that we want to do is connect and expand. So if I connect to God by saying, Lord, you are the one, you're the realizing, recognizing that I can do nothing without the Lord. The Lord has done everything. We've done nothing. And any kind of miracle or change or any any healing, it's got to come through the Lord. So that's where my mind needs to be. Any kind of healing of the loneliness, um, especially in a place like this, has got to come from um, the Lord. Any kind of being able to get to sleep and 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 be at comfort is got to come from the Lord. Anything that of, of any of, of any goodness at all has got to come along any kind of fear of death and of course you know big death things are coming right does mo- do most people believe that we're going to see a lot of death well i've been seeing a lot of death lately and i can tell you this you get numb to it no i'm sorry no one wants to hear that you 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 get well not numb but you know uh, it, 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 it's just like a normal part of life. But we don't think that when we're younger. And we live in these dramas like maybe I can meet another person and that will make all the difference. Or maybe we can go back and... Okay, I'll give you an example. I want to go back to my favorite restaurant on the coast of California. Maybe it would be you know, Malibu or Santa Barbara or someplace, or maybe San Diego where it's warmer down there. And uh, I don't know what restaurant it would be, some restaurant on the on the coast. I mean, maybe it's uh, Dana Point and the, the Chart House, or, or, well, I hate that place. I don't know what it would be, something, you know, somewhere. And then I realized that the entire setup of the restaurant and the waiters and the training and the atmosphere and the price of the food and the wine and the, um, the general ambience and the company, none of it's giving me that satisfaction that I, w- I was looking for. What am I looking for here? It's certainly not fair to my friends. We're just trying to get together, you know, for old time's sake, for old lang syne. Because life runs on nostalgia. 
And these aces of mind control, they know that. And they want to give you images and things that you remember. You remember being at the beach with your parents. You remember being at the, uh, on the boat. You remember being at the top of the mountain. You remember your first, you know, just rattling off a free association, you know, ski, you know, you know ski lesson, your first uh, guitar lesson, your first um, anything. And then you look back and you go, what happened to that? It's it's all a rhythm, and the 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 the, the whole life is the act, not the one part of it. A part of a life isn't a life. A life is a whole act of life, and then you know, birth, life, and death, and then that's one act. That's one movement. So you got to be in it, but you don't want to be in it counting the, the minutes going by. Okay, it's. Six minutes to seven. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. That's kind of what my movie Angel's Tide is about. It's, yeah, it's my movie. It's my thing. And it just, I, I buried it because I, I was very unhappy with the result. I was very unhappy with the, uh, the way it turned out. I was very unhappy with the, uh, the fact that I didn't have the money to finish it the way I wanted and the fact that I had gotten screwed. And I just said, fuck everything. And Trish and I just took off for the, you know, for the desert, you know, and we just walked out. Um, no, I didn't have to walk out. The fact that I did walk out is, is meaningless. It's all meaningless. There is no moral to the story I shouldn't have walked. There's no moral to the story I shouldn't have gotten a hair transplant that got infected. You can get infected by cutting your finger on a on a, uh, you know, a can opener. Okay? So there is no onus on that. There is no like, well, you should have done blah, 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 should. Should is a, a frequency that's like, you know, 0.05 or something. It's like a low frequency that's just used to guilt and shame people. It's just, you should have done this. And you should have done that. And oh, 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 oh. I want you to flog yourself because of you should have and you didn't and because you you should be ashamed of your one and whip and beat yourself because, you know, maybe you can go find some uh, high-priced hookers to beat you or something, <laughs> you know. And I only laugh because, well, it is an epidemic in the world of people wanting to be beaten up for what they didn't achieve because what they wanted to achieve was nostalgic, and no nostalgia can be achieved. You go to the school reunion. Go ahead. You go to the, uh, the, the ball. You go to the PTA meeting. You go to the, to the coffee. You go to the uh, whatever you're going to go to. And what you're looking for isn't there. You can set it up to be exactly what it was. I know people have done that. They've set it up to be exactly what it was so they could experience that time when they were happy, which they weren't. It's just that through time, we tend to think we're happy during times of nostalgia that we remember. And it turns out we weren't happy. We're just as unhappy then as we are now. And it's like, well... If you're not happy, you're not with the Lord. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. We're with the Lord. 
um, it's pretty clear that you're not with uh, the world, right? I mean, or you would have, you'd know that, and so would the world. So that didn't work out. So now we're unhappy, and we're, you know, technically we've said yes to the Lord, but we don't pay attention because we're not getting anything out of it. We're not getting that nostalgia. We're not getting this uh, this peaceful moment. You know, one of the greatest moments that could ever be with the Lord is understand that you don't have to do anything. That there's nothing for you to do, nothing for me to do. There's no work that needs to be done. There's nothing that needs to be done. Just in that moment, there just needs to be... It's it's completely okay to do nothing. And in these passing moments of people, you know, Starbucks, <laughs> drive throughs entertainment, shopping, whatever it is, it's now more of a blur. People come and go, things come and go, and it's even a mystery as to how all this stuff got there. How, how there is a market in the first place to go shopping at. How there is uh, anything. So now at the end of the day, after you look it all out, you realize this is all from not being present, you know, and then you realize, okay, we can be, you know, present with the Lord, but coming with that means the kind of attitude you have to have, I suppose, to succeed in that, in that connection is you're going to, you're going to put everything you've got into that. You're not going to just let the moments drift anymore because a human drifting nostalgia moment is a blur. There's no good can come of it. But a moment with God, with Christ, can be uh, marvelous, even though no one thinks, people don't think so, but can be that, that equalizer that makes it so that, you know, look, you've achieved. You were born, you lived, you saw, you got it. You got the fact that without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. Without the Lord, you can do nothing. Without that that true connection to uh, timeless time, you you you'll worry about time. You'll worry about space. You'll worry about tomorrow. You'll worry about the your bills. You'll worry about everything. So so I'm just here to kind of like say, well, I've been at that place where you can't possibly worry because you know there really isn't much else going on except death and so there's not much to do in worrying and death Jesus said don't worry he said I've overcome the world plus he said uh, the Sermon on the Mount which was all about worrying and so you know so but without the Holy Spirit without the Lord without that anointing and it is an anointing without that you really can't be at peace you can pretend and then with nostalgia, there's an endless running after it and you can't get it. So it's it's a very precarious situation we're in. Do you go with the Lord and have total social separation? No. See, it's just like what I have to do here. I'm lifting my foot. It feels like a weight on it. And that's... What I did was bad. You know, what I did was really... Uh, what happened was really bad. It was like the kind of thing that uh, 
basically is uh, shouldn't happen to anyone. So what do I do with that? Well, I'm going to work at it. That's what I'm going to do. My head is still numb in places. Feels weird. So I'm going to work on that. So I'll do whatever I can do till the plug's pulled. Why? Because I, I feel like I'm not alone. Well, well, why do you feel that way? I feel like all the eyes are on me. Like I've just got, you know, I'm surrounded with all kinds of uh, uh, expanding, you know, expansion of spirit. And one day, there'll be a great knowing where everything is known. Everywhere. And as we come into calamity where, you know, bad people are trying to do bad things to people and start wars and rumors of wars and just like, you know, Matthew 25 and it's just like a redo of uh, uh, so many things. You know, hearts wax cold and, you know, like I said, when people die, nobody really cares. Yeah, how many people visited today on a Saturday? Shabbat Shalom, by the way. I hope your day was fruitful. I, I spent my day thinking about the Lord, you know, and, and how many people have died and how many people got visitors today. Uh, maybe a couple out of, you know, 30 or 40. You know, see what I'm saying? It's, it's and we, you know, there's no sense in complaining about it and saying, well, this is what's happening. People know what's happening. It's, okay, so how do you ride above it? Well, the only thing that you can do is get out of this kind of dog-eat-dog, cause-and-effect, you know, repeating frequency of nostalgia. But we need nostalgia. Like, I'm watching basketball now. Sort of, and you know what I'm doing? It's going through my mind. I'm looking at it going, well, where the hell are the heroes? Well, there aren't any heroes anymore. The, the game goes too fast. They get uh, hired, they get a few years, and then they're out. There's not time to develop, you know, basketball heroes or rock stars or any kind of heroes. It's all past tense. All the heroes have come and gone. So now what? Well, now the future is, is uncertain. It's all open. And, uh, you know, basically anything can happen. I read about Mark Zuckerberg being in Kauai, Raising the best beef and the best cattle imaginable for the best tasting beef possible. Now, that should tell you something. That, that should tell you a lot. Building an earthly paradise, a kingdom of heaven, of his own in Kauai, and that would be fine if the guy wasn't going to die, but he's going to die. He can eat all the beef he wants, he's still going to die. It's up to each one, and I think making, you know, and then people die and then people forget. And they forget, you know, the past and they forget everything. So how do you keep it so it's, you got that nurturing feel, that good feeling like you're being buoyed up and you've got some kind of purpose. And the only way to do that is is really, it's, it's you have to change. It's, it, I don't want to sound like a new age thing, but you have to change this frequency of, you know, oh, I'm not going to do what you tell me. Or, you know, or, gosh, the government is so corrupt. Or, gee, 
you know, uh, the American dream is unachievable. Or, gosh, we're, uh, we're winning now, finally. Maybe we can win some. Uh, we're going to win in the end. Mm-hmm. But even with all that, and there's nothing wrong with being optimistic about the future and thinking America, you know, America can come back and all those things, but it, it has to be, you know, uh, sort of regulated by this idea of nostalgia, but instead of nostalgia, it's just basically kingdom of God. Now, what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, is everything with this. So when you think about heaven, it would be everything but this. In other words, just basic reality is, is God, is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is, is infinite. And the expansion is infinite. And, and the, the achievements, healing, this and that, warm feeling, whatever it is people want, you know, um, the happiness despite uh, being handicapped, let's say, or anything like that. Um, it's uh, it's just a matter of changing your responses to the people like that are you know obviously dictating what to do, and they give you know yes, no. You got to follow the rules. When I got here, they had all these rules, and everything was rules. And they said, you know, you can't walk down the hall on your own without a green band. And I told them, I said, well, unless you can walk 150 feet and prove that you can walk around, I said, my legs aren't coming back. They're, they're, you know, whatever happened is is. Uh, it's serious. It's not like they, I broke a leg and it's coming back. You know, so uh, I distinguished myself by all the other kind of skills that I had. And eventually, as it got toward my discharge day, because they can't hold you forever. They can't just blame your legs and say, well, hold you forever until you can start walking again. That's, that's ridiculous. So uh, it became a different kind of game. The next thing you know, today I'm coming back to my room and I'm realizing I had just taken a shower. I had just uh, been down to the cafeteria to get something, you know, pushing myself in the wheelchair, being pushed, whatever. And I need, you know, I'd like to have a motorized thing too, but I have no idea with all the so many options. But, you know, I'd, I intend to get around in some way. And, and anyway, I'm, you know, I, I come back and I see, and I didn't even know what they meant about a green band. It's really a band that he used for working out. And I saw in my room was a green band. As someone, I had finally achieved it. That is, I can go around, you know, without my legs working completely, which is enough. See, they used to base it on legs alone. You know, if long you could walk around, you could do stuff, but they, they can't do that anymore. So I have my green band. I'm a, I can go in the hallway. <laughs> when I get out of bed, I don't have to have somebody here. If I want to stand up out of my wheelchair and go to the walker, which is uh, kind of dangerous, I um, the whole key is not to fall, you understand? They, they want to prevent you falling. 
so there's all these rules and they're very you know they're very taxing the rules they're very rude about it you know and um, if you want to go to the bathroom they have to go with you you know if you want to take a shower they got to go with you I mean they're they're there to basically do what you can't do and um, you really do feel like an invalid because you're a complete cripple you are a complete 100% um, and a lot of people that come here they're never going to be rehabbed they're just dropped off here in the hopes that something will improve by their families and some that don't even have families so, you know, when I see that, I don't feel, it kind of puts everything in perspective, you know, where you don't, uh, you don't, you know, feel sorry for yourself because you can see that there are just so many people that uh, are just, you know, just really got, you know, whacked by life, you know, just really hurt. And uh, so we had to pray in Jesus' name, please, Lord, heal them. You want the big stuff, Lord? Heal them. Heal them all. And the Lord shows me what healing is like. Healing is, for most of these people, being able to understand what happened, live with it, and make peace with it, make peace with their lives. That's healing. Not being able to be 15 again. And... uh, so it's um, it's interesting. But what I've learned, and I've imparted it to you, is the world runs off nostalgia. And if you can provide nostalgia for people while you're on another frequency, and I was in another frequency for a long time in the hospital to the point where they wanted to do an MRI of my brain, you know, which was really like Zeph, Zeph versus the MRI machine, and uh, that did happen where they were, you know, and then remember I, was, I wrote 11 chapters of uh, the hospital novel I was writing, but that in no way prepared me for how much darker it really is and how much more evil there really is. And, and I would and tie me up at three in the morning to an MRI machine. This is the kind of stuff that I was making up in fiction. It was no fiction, I assure you of that. And then when I came out of my surgery... I had a, a, you know, a major surgery. Uh, They had me on some kind of intubation device where I couldn't breathe and I was about to go into cardiac arrest until they took the mask off my head and let me breathe. And I perceived that was evil. And I'm like, you know, this is... uh... And then if you don't do what you're told, you know, they've got uh, muscle. They can come in, they can, you know... They don't tell you where the psych ward is. It's somewhere in the hospital, a place where they can subdue you, so to speak, until you come to your senses and you understand what's happening. And, you know, and when they talk to you, they always come to your bed and say, what's your name? Uh, what's your birth date? Where are you? Do you know what ha- why you're here? And... If you can't answer those questions, you know, and, and it all depends if you have a good insurance policy about whether they keep you or not. It's a, you know, kind of a scam. I'm not saying there aren't good people here. There are good people. There are good doctors. There are people that want to save your life, but let's face it, 
allopathic medicine will not save your life. God will save your life. But it will provide temporary solutions to where you can then go on and, you know what I mean? There's like, if you break your leg, this is the best place in the world for you to be, right? Not some holistic center that's going to, you know, chant kumbaya over the leg, you know? That's, that sort of goes without saying, you know? It's here, there's a purpose to it. God is, you know, breathing through all things. But that's the other thing. I, so when I get so mad because I was so helpless and I'm in bed and I can't move and I'm being dictated to, how in the world am I, am I, am I going to deal with that? And the answer was always um, get into a different, you know, uh, uh, you're going to have to switch the consciousness. You've got to switch the frequency. You've got to change the channel. You cannot react the way you've been reacting. And I found that when I was out in the world, I was really lazy. I was reacting to everything the way everyone reacts, just predictably. And uh, the result I was getting back was uh, typical, like here you get authoritarianism back. But then... When you then see the people as people, and uh, you got the Holy Spirit, there's this love vibe that comes over you. <laughs> the best I could describe it, and you start to talk to people as who they are, and then they start dropping the authoritarian stuff, and they start reacting to you differently, and you can even make a bond with some of them. Some you can't; they're just intent on hating, and that's what they're going to do. But some you can. And as that begins to develop and that healing develops, then you realize, so my idea of reality is completely false. It's based on base. It's based on just, uh, yeah, uh no, I don't like that. Don't tell me what to do. All right, you go to hell. You know, it's based on that. You know? Now, what do I do? I create a little humor. I um, sometimes give people little nicknames and things, and just you know, I'm having uh, finding a way to have a little fun uh, because that's another vibe that's not you know, and you know, having fun after you have no legs and all your kidneys and the lung and this and that and everything's failed, uh, the prostate, the bladder, and the blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, well, um, I know people that are basically on their deathbed right now. So, yeah. Because when I change that frequency, I'm like a kid. And it's okay. And, you know, I, I uh, intend to... Um, to use nostalgia to listen I'm using nostalgia to remind me of the real deal which is which is God which is kingdom and in the kingdom there's all these people and all these levels to it there's like there's like a parallel universes here where the hospital is there's like these parallel universes where there's these it's like the hospital itself is a magical enclave. It's like got these deep uh, connections to um, guilds and things from, 
you know, from like, you know, aeons ago and other universes, other times and spaces, and it's all going on contiguously and continuously while most people are in a surface reality. Now that I did, I did see and I did perceive. And um, there are people that are going, that are there, that are, that exist on all the levels at once. And they're in disguise acting like they're a 23 year old nurse when they're really like, uh, you know, 300 or something. You know what I mean? And they're just, all of them, uh, part of this, this slavery of serving this, this kind of beast in a non-temporal, um, you, you know, timeless, spaceless, but then time and space altered differently than this here. But in existence that's multi-layered that they keep secret from the rest of us. And that was going on at the hospital. And I could definitely see that. And I and I realized that none of these people are gonna ever get out of there. They're they're just that they've gotten into it and they're just gonna stay there. And I remember I was talking to someone and I could see uh the walls and the uh the room and everything as ancient. And then it would snap back to being modern. And I, so I was sharing some of these experiences and I would, I would say to people, look, I don't want to cause trouble, you know, but you've got something you need to tell me about, like all these levels and stuff. I mean, uh, are you aware of this sort of magical mystery realm that's going on here? And they're like, you know, nodding kind of, yeah, but uh, we really can't talk about it. We really can't talk about it. So these people, and, and this guilt, and that's just like a hospital, you know, there's, I'm sure this goes on all over the world. These people are running the show. And if it was just like a one-dimensional, I'm Larry Fink and I'm going to kill you. If it was just like, you know, I'm Bill Gates and I'm going to blot the sun out, force you to eat bugs while I eat the finest beef in the world at my friend Mark Zuckerberg's house, you know. If, if that's the way it was... That would be one thing, but that's not the way it is. There are definitely levels to it, and there's other aspects to it. So, what do I think about the whole alien thing? Um, hybrids and aliens, I believe, are real. I believe the Bible, what it says about creatures and um, Genesis 6 and all that, and I, I feel that um, these things also rule these other dimensions and there are people held hostage by them. And also there are people running the show and running the, the so-called aliens. But there's no aliens. I mean, they're just, they're just creatures that exist on different planes, different levels. But there's an infinite number of levels. And we who follow the Lord, we're never going to know. We're going to pass on to the Lord. We're not going to know about all these things because knowing about it all is nothing but vanity. People get curiouser and curiouser and they want to jump jump in and they want to find out what's it all about. You know, not just the ice wall at Antarctica, but what the what's the whole thing about? And there's a way, there's a way to find out, but it'll take your life. You you'll be trapped. Is that what you want? The simple life with Jesus is like being a child. You never have to deal with all that. 
when I see the idea of the Christian patriot, the Christian looking into the aliens, the true man of God shouldn't need to look into aliens or into anything. That person, it's just like on some level, I know everything there is to know. A level I'm not really in touch with very often, but every once in a while, you know, bingo. It's like, well, if I know all that, why am I searching for something? Why do I want? And it's like, well, because your body hurts, because your mind hurts, because you're lonely, because you've lost people, because you're going to be lost, because you're facing death, whatever, you know, whatever it is, because you're, you're you know, um, because of what you did to yourself. I certainly didn't treat the body like a temple, and then I'm paying the price. No, you treat, treat your body however you want. I'm now, what am I, 53 days sober. Uh, why, why sober? Well, sober is not the best thing for, you know, ultimately, if you're going to be in shape, if you're going to drink sugary drinks and stuff. But it's, you know, the whole point is, is that the alcohol did not provide a nostalgic escape, right? Whenever I used to think of alcohol, I thought of nostalgia, friends, clinking of glasses. But it always wound up in people being, you know, out of control, saying stuff that's incoherent, going, falling asleep, getting up the next day with hangovers, not knowing where the hell they are, you know, or, or knowing where they are, fine, trying to get uh, coffee and different things to, to, to help in that regard. And, um, and then another wasted day. They weren't, you know, it wasn't the good old days. Raise your glass and all that. Now I find it interesting. There's all these, uh, you know, fake alcohol things out there, all alcohol alternatives. And I don't tend to like those either. You know what I mean? I don't need an alternative. The reason I needed it is because I think my father's influence on me was really strong because obviously when he was my age, he he died of a prolonged illness. And here I was getting ill the same way, at the same age. But everything to him was nostalgia. It was the USC games and the... And the, and the flying around the country to these various uh, games then, and then gambling and then getting his friends together and whooping it up and having parties and, you know, just, just uh, all this, everything was nostalgic. Raising a glass and toasting and just being, uh, being a ridiculous, selfish, self-serving, vain, I don't even know what, just a pursuer of hedonism and... Um, uh, you know, um, creature comforts and, and uh, decadence, which is not, you know, which leads to, uh, led to his, you know, death ultimately at 69 years old. So it's, um, uh, so a lot of that influence was on me, you know, me thinking, watching them, and they're both, you know, swingers at the same time. You know what I mean. We've had satanic abuse and all kinds of horrible, uh, you know, trafficking things and all kinds of just stuff in that, that I knew about when I was a child and unfortunately suffered under uh, because nobody that uh, 
when people grow up with guilt and shame, they tend to uh, repeat it in their relationships and that they have a hard time getting past that, which, which is easy to do. It's just you have to decide that, you know, you're... you're oh, here we go. Okay, I've got to play a song now. And the rulers uh, 
is from God to me. They're pretty strong. <laughs> okay, well, any second we'll have the blood pressure, hopefully it'll be above Ah, cool. 124 over 64 is a big improvement for the kidneys of sharing. Thank you. Yeah, please leave that open. Thank you. Uh, okay. Thank you. Leave it. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Uh, that was a... Folks, that was... I, I've never saw that nurse before that was like another new one and uh taking my vitals which were uh uh my my blood pressure has been low like 109 100 you know 100 to 105 109 so this was at 126 which that's that's you know up there but see for kidneys that's a good blood pressure uh so they've engineered it back up again even though they're trying to balance something that's I guess hard for the doctors to balance, but uh, you can still hear me, I think. And um, we just played Trisha's song. Okay, so I'm I'm back, and I'm just you know thank you for being out there. I hope you guys are really praying for each other, and just just look. There's a whole other dimension we can exist in, and all it takes is just. It has nothing to do with like doing a David Lynch meditation and, and, and a, no offense for transcendental meditators, but it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, talk about it uh, much, but you know, the science that Lynch points out in terms of uh, transcendental meditation and the rising and falling of codependent objects in space is uh, been, you know, pretty much disproven as a, uh, as a, as a fact of life. You know what I mean? What he tries to prove has already been disproven. In, in certain uh, quantum theories, let's just say. And, uh, you know, and this is going back 25, 30 years. So, you know, it's okay. Everyone has their own pet thing they want to do. And he's doing his pet thing. Uh, you know, brilliant filmmaker. So, but uh, to get on that level, you know what I mean? To, to see it different, to react to it differently. Um, you know, to uh, to put it on a different level. Because this one here, want to come in and just, you know, I'm here to take your vibe, you know, you know, basically behave, you know, kind of like vibe mentality. And it got it got switched off, you know, off the thing because I really want to know her name because there's all these. Her name is her name is Kay. And uh, I don't know where she's from, but she's got uh, she's got uh, dark black hair and kind of heavy perfume on, and uh, has uh, tattoos. A lot of these girls have tattoos, and um, and uh, they're all different sizes. A lot there's a lot of um, you know I'd say women in general have gotten fatter, and you know, and that's no offense. No, seriously, I'm I'm, I'm 
well beyond. I don't judge things like that. You know, I've, I'm not a kid anymore. But but it, it just seems that there's been a a, a organized effort to to and men too. You know, to let men and women become more fat, and and to what we would call obese almost. But then but then it's acceptable in style now, especially you know for um, women. And um, you've seen some of the commercials, I'm sure, on TV, and it's. And they're 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 saying you know why should women torture themselves? Well, the same thing goes for men. I um, I notice that I notice lots of tattoos. I notice not too many have perfume, and every once in a while there's somebody really skinny among the the you know among the uh, larger people. So that's one thing I've noticed being around a lot of people is that people have. Uh, uh, gained weight. I, certainly, none of us are, you know, a paragon of, uh, you, you know, uh, being in, in perfect shape. But uh, in this case, uh, this person I'd say would, would be about a medium build, probably, uh, according to the 1980s, would be considered overweight. But according to today, would be just just even perfect. So. I always want to know what their name is and I want to find out how come every shift there's a new nurse that's in charge. Why is that? Why is there a new nurse every time there's a shift? And how many are there? I mean, there's like hundreds of them. And then there's a couple that are more staples that are here like full time, but most of them are rotating in and out. And, um, you know, that is it the burnout rate, you know, working with old people that can't uh, function? And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but, uh, but you know, and, and the other lighter side of it all is where they drop the authoritarianism. They just want to have fun. You know, they're, they're just like anyone else. They want to have fun. They want to, you know, they want nostalgia. They want to go out to dinner. They want to, you know, go listen to a, a, a rock concert. They want to do something. There's some kind of an alarm or some kind of whistle. And uh, so anyway, she'll be back to help me with my... By the time she helps me with my oxygen, I will have already uh, gotten it off the back of my um, wheelchair here, stuck it into the wall and gotten the wall oxygen because it's better. And then I will have turned off the, the little temporary, the little oxygen uh, maker that's in the back of my chair. And uh, and I'm I'm only on one liter per hour, so it's very little because uh, you know the whole thing is you know to get well enough to not have to rely on oxygen. Now you remember Michelle Archer, the great writer, and I wish I had one of her poems here ready to go. I I put a couple to music, but um, uh, you know we had gotten her an oxygen um, concentrator that you could wear around your neck. I'm not sure it helped her much, but she um, she eventually just um, you know she eventually just careened over and died of sudden heart failure because without oxygen that's what happens. Or like the my legs that went, it was I'm sure an oxygen uh, what they call desaturating, and that's that's basically what I think happened to me as well. And um, you know you you 
without the right oxygen mix, you know, you go down and, you know, you can get congestive heart failure too, which is what they warned me about. And, um, they've asked me if they want me to, to be revived. Well, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I got and, and just see how far they, I'm not going to worry about anything because it's, it's so, you know, because it's ridiculous. I, that, I, I, if I start worrying, I'd be worried about everything. But I'm very serious about changing the responses. When I say change the frequency, what I mean is change your responses. Change the way you look at it. They come in. Okay, let's rehearse this. Okay, they come in. Okay, I want to take your vitals. And, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, you're not supposed to be in the hall unless you're with, uh, with somebody. Oh, okay, I'm saying I didn't know that. What's your name? Kay. Oh, I knew someone named Kay back when we were, you know, I've known very few people. I knew one, one girl named Kay. That's a nice name. Oh, thank you. Yeah, what, how long have you been working at this? The first time I've seen you here. Well, I just, you know, and then, and then, and then, okay, it's all, that's what I mean. It's changed. Now from there, where are you? Okay, so they leave. Okay, I'll be back to check on you later. Okay, fine. And they leave. Okay. And then are you sitting there going, oh, they left and I'm back to being lonely and, and, you know, everything is fucked and everybody is, you know. And so the key is when you're in a grumpy or bad mood to keep changing the narrative. Now, comedy kind of works. But uh, what, what interests you about people, if anything, or, or things, moving, objects moving in space? Is there anything that's curious? Because when you start questioning stuff and start looking at stuff, it takes your mind right off this, of, this like, you're there to be tortured, and I am going to put enough chemtrails in the sky and poison your water that it will basically kill you. So you might as well hide like a hermit in the woods and uh, wait for doomsday. And I don't think that uh, that's living your best life. So if you change the conversation, you know, you're not supposed to be out with a green band. Oh, okay, I, I didn't realize that. Uh, well, thank you for telling me. And then switch the subject. Engage in small talk. See the beauty in things. See the beauty in people that look ugly when they're barking orders. Or worse, when they're working with all, really the elderly here that are, they can't hear and they can't see, you know what I mean? They yell, like, they scream at them. It's ugly. But then you have to, but then you, you, you when you see them, it's like, do you want to get down there in the muck and defend what they're doing or do you want to get to uh, get it on another level well the only way to get it on another level is to, is to you know maybe you shake that person's hand that's what I do if I don't know them and uh, you know you uh, you go into your head you go into your fiction you go into your fantasies then and you start you know thinking about those things and pretty soon that feeling of nostalgia comes over you 
because everything is nostalgic in the end, right? Your entire experience of life is nostalgia. But then you begin to expand. And as you expand, then comes the awe of taking on, you know, you see the Lord and the Lord working on all things. And then the only response left is, Lord, expand me. Use me. I'm having such a good time with this last uh, interaction I've had that uh, it was supposed to be a disaster and now it isn't. It was supposed to be terrible but now it isn't. And so then there becomes the interest in all things around you wherever you are. Like I'm in Albuquerque now, kind of, actually, you know, adjacent to it. And I could be in Santa Fe County on, say, Monday. And I could be in, you know, um, Houston on another day. But what does it really matter? What does it really matter? I mean, any of these things. But is there something... Okay, so in Raising the Frequency, what is there in Houston that's interesting? Well, right now there's an ice storm brewing. That's interesting. It's a place like Houston, an ice storm. What does that mean? So in, in any kind of query like that, or you know, any kind of interaction, you, you've changed it, and then you realize that being alone is the highest level you can be and being undistracted in, in Christ. Being alone is, and that's where Peter prayed for, you know, brought Tabitha from the dead. That's where Jesus brought forth Lazarus from the cave, from the dead. That's where Jesus cast out the, you know, and it's all because when Jesus was surrounded in the earthly ministry, what was he, uh, what was he thinking about? Nobody could pin him on any of it. He was just not of this world. He was not here. He was not interacting. It's like, you know, Peter, do you love me? Well, you know I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, you're the Messiah. Of course I love you. Peter, do you love me? Get behind me, Satan. What the hell's going on there? Now, you can go prophetic like that. And then you can go into... Anger, like, you know, Peter, why can't you be loyal? Why do you deny me? Before the cock crows thrice, you'll deny me three times. Oh, I never do that, Lord. Oh, really? So therefore, I, God, do everything. You, human, do nothing. Understand? There's nothing for you to do. You don't have to call that 800 number that Franklin Grant wants you to call once you prayed that prayer. Yeah, you know, I need to be saved by the Lord. I can't be saved by Zeph. Zeph can't save anybody. I could temporarily save someone from drowning, maybe, if I pulled them out of the river. But in general, I don't save anybody. That's not my function. My function is to be what God wants me to be here on the earth 
for his delight and his pleasure. And so now what that means is he wants me to fight like hell to get either walk or do some, you know, to, to do whatever, to build up my upper body strength so I can just pull myself uh, up without worrying about the legs, whatever. He wants me to fight like hell, so fine. Because when I do that, I'm, not, I'm in a, I, I just look at every move, every exercise, every curl, every, every uh, you, you know, bench press, whatever I'm doing, I'm just looking at that as expansion. And I know if I'm expanding, then none of the authoritarian, because you understand the other side is all authoritarian, right? It's all, if you want to know anything about spiritual warfare, just understand this one word, authoritarian, right? The, you know, barking orders, um, you, you know, uh, um, indicting Trump and, and uh, you know, putting 1,200 people in prison for walking on grass or whatever it is. It's authoritarian, of course, corrupt authoritarian. uh, Barking orders for the sake of barking orders. I had somebody, listen to this. They followed me down the hall like I was coming back to my room and I wasn't really supposed to be out there. I didn't have the clearance. But I was coming back to my room in my wheelchair, and um, they 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 got me and they they brought me into the room. They said, "From now on, you have to wear this protective clothing because you're contaminated, and so people need to see that." And another nurse came in the in the room and said, "What are you talking about?" And grabbed the clothing they tried to put on me and just and threw it out and said, that, "That's not right." If people enter your room, they have to put that on, but not you. And so that person was completely shut down without me even being involved. I just watched watched the drama of somebody trying to make me into a fool and trying to, you know, exercise her silly amount of power and, and actually get shut down all for my own entertainment. And it was funny as hell. It was funny as could be, you know, that uh, they were trying to get me to wear this protective clothing around the, like, it's kind of like, you're the one that's sick and you need the protective clothing. No, I'm sick. If I'm toxic, you need the protective clothing, right? So they had it backwards and, you know, just like COVID. So I'm I'm like, you know, this is just hilarious to me. And I'm going to write about all this. I'm I'm definitely going to... uh, I'm kind of now, you know, writing, I've written the horrific stuff and I'm kind of feeling like I'm, I want to return back to that book and that's what it was, a book. And kind of, you know, wrap it up because what I really want to do now is I almost feel like what we really need to write is some kind of like a like a little biography of what's happened here. and Just the kind of... Uh, well, it would all it would all come off like torture. You guys would hate it. You know what I mean? You would really hate it. Um, I also need to write about that multidimensional stuff that I saw down in uh, Albuquerque. Um, and, you know, that left me wondering how many people know about this. This is the kind of thing that gets you killed. You know, and I, was, I actually was worried for a few days 
that they're going to slip a, you know, slip a little poison in my IV. You know what I'm saying, right? And, uh, I felt I was on to something. And then, you know, now as time has passed, I, as things get foggier, as they, they kind of go back to the past, I'm not as keen on it. I'm not as, it's not as scary. It's not as uh, worrisome, this idea of a multidimensional world that's part of that hospital and that goes back and forth in time and into other universes and things. And then there are people there that are conscious of all of it and they act like they don't know anything. That's just driving me, it was driving me nuts there for a while. And I actually proved to myself it was going on. And then I, I dropped it because I was, uh, for security reasons. That's the same reason that I took my novel offline from Substack is because I could see how, you know, writing that got, you know, led up to my being in trouble again and back in the hospital where they could have their way with me. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's time to switch the subject. And so I think with Angel's Tide, that's what I'm going to do. Of course, Angel's Tide is about death. It's about a woman that has three months to live and what she would do with those three months. And she had decided to become a kleptomaniac. And some of it's kind of funny. It's like drama and comedy. And, you know, it's a lot different than what you'd expect from me. But it's more like, you know, drama and characters like that are in my wheelhouse. And so... Who knows if I ever do it again. But if I ever do it again, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, characters are always going to be bigger than life because I think through characters comes great story. And uh, besides, I have no choice anyway. I'm more character-oriented. Anyway, so you guys remember this. To switch the frequency, switch up the behavior you know, it doesn't matter how you do it. Trip it up. What your usual reaction is, try something else. Flip it, and then once it gets going, then you're on another plane. Now you can expand into other areas. And even if you want to, just go into prayer, or just go into whatever you want to do. But just remember that, um, you know, it's... Uh, It's uh, it's wild. Anyway, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I asked that woman to help me with my oxygen. She goes, "Oh, I'll be back in a minute." You know what I mean? It's like the, the, the you know the odds are we won't see her again. I'll do it myself. It, it's ridiculous. It's it's um, yeah. A lot of the time when you ask anyone for anything, you, you're not going to get it. You know what I mean? It's it's. They're not going to, like, if you want uh, uh, something to drink or if you want, to, you know, anything, um, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. That's just the way the power structure is set up completely ass backwards, you know, compared to what it should be, which is patient-centered uh, therapy. Anyway, so here I am live from uh, the rehab, and you're hearing it go down. And um, God is good, man. God saved me. Even if I died, he saved me. I would have died in the Lord, but I could certainly use being in awe of God more. I could certainly use being in his presence to the point where I just 
you know, basically poop myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I'm ready for the Lord to just you know, reveal himself, and I believe he's going to reveal himself with some really serious shit that's going to happen upon this earth very soon. And when it does, uh, again, the Lord's going to reveal himself in mighty ways because we're just coming up to that point where it's all lined up, you know? And it's like, you can say, okay, it's nothing's going to happen, and that's fine. That's one, one tactic. I personally, doesn't matter to me what happens. I don't care to keep talking about it. What I care to do is double down on everything with God as if it's happening right now. And that's my fail-safe, right? And then whatever happens, you know, I should be prepared. But, you know, going over and over a, a doomsday scenario does not equate putting lamp in my lamp, in my putting oil in my lamp. Oil in my lamp means I'm prepared with, with the Lord, that I'm ready to, to, for whatever the Lord has to throw at me. I'm ready for whatever the Lord will bring. The Lord brings his love. He brings healing. He brings goodness. All good things come from the Lord, but I'm ready for that. But I'm ready for whatever the, you know, the, one of the main things the scriptures say is this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not fear, I am the Lord, and I will heal you. And, and so, you know, do not be afraid. And so that would constitute like half your lamp Half your oil in your lamp is do not be afraid, right? And by that, you prove your faith. So anyway, my two cents. Love you guys. And, you know, and I see you've got some convo going there in the chat room. Good for you guys. Yeah, love one another. Uh, support each other because... The world out there doesn't know anything that's going on. And you guys are kind of in the know, you know, and hopefully, hopefully in the future we'll have a, you know, we'll, we'll, it's gotten to the point where I just see more people in God and Christ lately than I've seen in a long time, just openly, openly in Jesus, you know, just openly, openly with the Lord. And then a lot of people, they just don't know the Lord. They don't understand that you know, the, the miracle power. So the Lord is telling me, make sure you tell the people to, to don't hold back on the big stuff. Those prayers you think are too big to be answered, go ahead and, and get them, you know, go ahead and ask them. Go ahead and give it to them. You know, sock it to them, you know. Let's, let's get the Lord going on some big stuff. Lord, please save our, our world. Please save your lambs, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, you're in the business of salvation. We need, you know, we have salvation through Jesus and through the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for everything, for, for all, all that you've done. And also, Lord, please save us. You know, guide us physically, guide us mentally. Save us from the scourge of feeling betrayed by everything and everyone. And, and help us to keep our eyes on you in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe all that's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I think you get a lot of people in here that are like mean because they're just not doing the, the right... Um, they're just not doing the right thing for themselves. <laughs> 